standing by to join me is Ariana Newman. She's called in to talk about her latest book, When Time Stopped, a memoir of my father's war and what remains. Good morning. Good morning. Congratulations on your book. This is so fascinating to read about. You mentioned off-air that this was not really supposed to be a book. No, you're absolutely right. It, it, you know, it started as a, as a personal journey. I, I wanted to solve the mystery of, of this uh, very enigmatic father, father I grew up with, and I, I wanted to know where I came from, and I, it, you know, I wanted to find out, I guess, what my roots were, and I, I did it for me, um, and I did it for my children. And so it it didn't it didn't start off as a book at all. Okay, so what what made you decide? You know what I I need to know more. What transpired? Well, what made me decide that I wanted to know more is I think my it, it was a combination of things. My father never ever spoke about the past. So I grew up in Venezuela. I was the daughter of a much older man who was fifty when I came along. He was one of the most successful industrialists there, and he always spoke about the present and about ideas and about, you know, everything that was going on in his life, but he never, ever mentioned his life before. So I grew up knowing nothing about him, aside from the fact that he had been born in Prague Mm -hmm. and had left for Venezuela in 1949 with his brother. That's all I knew. There was never any mention of any family or of what he had left behind in Czechoslovakia. And then when I was a little girl, I was a child detective. I had a detective club. I wanted to be like Aww, Nancy Drew. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and we spied on people. And yeah. one of those times that we were spying on people, um, someone reported my father was moving a box from one place to another. And I waited for everyone to leave. And I went and I found that box. Uh-huh. And I, I think I expected to find some sort of treasure. And I was really disappointed because it was just old, old, boring papers. But one of those papers had a photograph of my father as a very young man, and I knew without any doubt that it was him. Mm-hmm. And it had a stamp of Hitler. It said Berlin, which made no sense, of course, because he was from Prague. But then where it said name, it had someone else's name. My father's name was Hans Neumann, and this had Jan Sebesta written on it. So I then knew that there was a mystery, and um, I asked questions, and I never got any answers. And it wasn't until he died in 2001 that that box appeared in my life again. And this time it didn't just have that ID, but it was just crammed with documents and papers about mm-hmm. his life during the war. Uh, so you know, I think Amazing. So go ahead. That, uh, so I think that's when, you know, I, I mean, that, that was sort of the permission that I had been waiting for. I think when you grow up as someone who's traumatized, you don't really want to push the boundaries. You don't want to ask too many questions because they get so upset. Yes. And I think your love for them becomes more important than your curiosity. So you let your curiosity sort of, you know, lay by the wayside, really. And when he died, he left me this box. I thought, okay, I have the permission to investigate, and I have the permission to solve this mystery. Yes. So it's taken me, well, <laughs> I didn't really start right away. I was having little kids, and I didn't think I could delve into World War Two and the past and, right. and then do the voices for the very hungry caterpillar. It's it's an incredible story, especially you as a little girl. Do you think your father knew that you'd put all the pieces together, considering you were this little Nancy Drew? I think he did. I mean, he knew I was Nancy. I mean, he he helped me be Nancy Drew as mm-hmm. well, and um, it, we always solved puzzles together. So I, I I think he knew. He knew I wanted to know, and I don't think he, you know, I just don't think he could tell me. He just it was he was just too traumatized. So it, it, I I think he did. I think that's why he left it. It's incredible. So, and do you have siblings? 
Um, I, I have half-siblings, so I have two on my mother's side who weren't his children. From, mm-hmm. They were from a previous marriage. And he did have um, an, an older son who was born in Czechoslovakia in 1947, but he had died by the time my father died in 2001. My brother had died 10 years previously. So I was his only child. Unbelievable. So there was no one else to leave it to. Yes. And, and he had, you know, he had cleared away all his papers, everything else, that, and he was a collector of things, so he really had kept every single scrap of paper that anyone had ever given him. And yet he had left my mother's letters to him, my letters to him, which was very nice because he, mm-hmm. <laughs> he threw away all everyone else's, I guess. <laughs> uh, and, um, but it was, you know, it was just, it was just un- underneath those letters was the box. So he obviously wanted me to piece it all together and, and figure out the story. What a treasure. So without giving too much away, tell me a few mm-hmm. things you did uncover. Well, I discovered that <laughs> not only did I have grandparents, but I had a family of 34 people in the Czech Republic. And I I discovered all sorts of things about these people because all these other boxes started arriving with letters from them. Um, I discovered that 29 of them had ended up in concentration camps and that my father, when his turn came to be sent to a concentration camp, decided that he was going to hide because he knew there there were some letters that had been snuck out of the concentration camp that said, in no uncertain terms, you, ha- you cannot come here, do whatever you can, stay safe, but avoid being deported. So he hid for a couple of months, and then he did the craziest thing imaginable for a Czech Jew from Prague, which was he decided to go and hide in plain sight in 1943 in the belly of the beast in Berlin. What? And he lived there for two years, and that's how he survived the war. Oh, and what else could you tell me about that? Where exactly did he hide? Well, he hid, initially he hid in Prague, in the, in, in the paint factory that was owned by the family. So the general manager of the paint factory took a huge risk and hid this young boy mm-hmm. for two, two months. And it was a working factory, so there were people going in and out, and that was a huge, huge risk, well, not only to my father, obviously, but to the general manager who who, you know, could have easily said, I'm sorry, this is just too risky. I mean, it was illegal to help a Jew by giving them a cigarette. So you can imagine oh, can't even how imagine. they would punish you yes. <laughs> for hiding one. And then he hid in plain sight in Berlin. So he literally didn't hide at all. He just went to Berlin with a false identity that he created, the, this, this name, Jan Sebastian, that I had found as a little girl. Mm-hmm. He used that name, and he pretended he was just an average non-Jewish Boy. Czech yeah. person and didn't hide at all. He worked in a paint factory that was making lacquers and paints for the German Air Force, for the Luftwaffe, and passed off intelligence to the Allies. Uh, do you have a certain so, sense of um, closure because growing up, did you find yourself like feeling like there were these missing pieces, missing information, and uh, now you have a sense of closure? Completely, yeah. completely. I mean... Not only do I feel like I have now the missing pieces and I, under- I, I, I understand where I came from, but I think more importantly, I understand, I understand my father much better. And I, I you know, know that there was really anything to forgive because he was a great father, but there always are little moments. And, and I, I now completely understand he, he wasn't the warmest and he wasn't 
very good with feelings and and being open, and I now completely understand why that was. So I feel closer to him now than I did, ironically, when he was alive. It sounds like you have a great deal of empathy and compassion. Well, I think I think if you if you read the book, it's impossible not to. Yes. I mean, the stuff that people went through, the, the horrendous, harrowing things, and yet the, the, what really struck me throughout the whole investigation is that despite the fact that these People were being systematically dehumanized and, and in really horrendous conditions. What remains and what triumphed and what kept them alive and hopeful was, was the love and little human things that we all do every day, like, you know, singing and enjoying, you know, enjoying the sunshine or enjoying... It, it was just, it was really filled with, with these wonderful snippets. So it, um, I don't know, it, it, it really was struck me was the beautiful stories of bravery and courage and defiance and love and, and the little bits of humanity that seeps through, even in the darkness. What else would you like people to know about this book? Well, I, I, I think my publisher describes it as a thriller and because it's an incredible story, but I, I sort of disagree with him. I think, um, I think it's, really, it's really just about a girl, a daughter, trying to understand their father. I think we all get our parents, for, we all get a little chunk of their lives. We don't quite know who they were before we came along. And we often don't ask enough questions right. until it's too late. Yes. So it's, it's really just about a search for, you know, a daughter's search for her father. And I think, I think that's, and I think as children, we, you know, we all get to a point in our lives where we want to know more about who our parents were and, and where we came from. Right. But it, it's good that you discovered this as an adult because obviously it was a very heavy subject matter that your dad just didn't feel he wanted to share with you. No, and I think yeah, I think we all we all protect our children a little bit. We want to save them from the horrors and the sadness that you know sometimes we encounter in life. And I I, I think there was very much that need to protect me, and that's why he didn't share it mm-hmm. at the time. As, as well as I think he was so traumatized, I think even recalling little bits of it was just too traumatic. Now, tell me the process for writing this book. We have to wrap up soon, but was did it take you a very long time? Did things just flow? Well, it took me. Sorry, the research took me about eight years, and there's still yeah. little bits of mystery that I'm trying. Not, nothing too serious, but yeah. little <laughs> things that I'm trying to to wrap up. Right. The writing was actually very, very quick because it wasn't meant to be a book. Someone said, oh, it has, you know, I was uncovering these beautiful stories and I thought I really would love to tell them yes. um, because it's, it's a way of keeping these wonderful people that help my family and my family members themselves with me and, and giving, giving them a little bit of their life back. So I really, it, it, I really wanted to tell their story and, and I had incredible enthusiasm from Scribner, which was Lovely, as because I'm a first-time writer, and it you know it, you don't expect that kind of thing. Of course. So they they bought the book without. I, I just had three chapters, and they bought the book, and then I wrote the other um, the other fourteen chapters in about just just under a year. Fantastic. Where can people so, find out more about you? Well, they can go to www.ariananewman.com with two ends at the end. Okay. Um, and if, or they can just Google when time stopped book. And there's a lot more on my website about, about the journey. There's more photographs. And there's obviously um, a, a way to buy the book if they so want. But um, there's also my email. So if they're 
you know, interested in researching their family histories and want any tips, I'm, I'm very happy to, to share my experience with them. And I just want to mention that you previously worked as a foreign correspondent for Venezuela's The Daily Journal, and your writing has also appeared in The European, and you currently reside in London with your family. I do, which is where I am today. Well, Very I'm gray London. Very gray London. And I'm, what time is it there? It is just almost, almost 6 o'clock at night. Oh, okay. Well, I want to thank you so much for calling in. This has been wonderful, and congratulations. What a journey writing this book. Oh, thank you very, very much for having me on. And it has been a wonderful journey. Thank you. My pleasure. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you. That was Ariana Newman calling in to talk about her book, When Time Stopped, a memoir of my father's war and what remains. Uh, all the info is on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. And within uh, half an hour or so, I'll have our conversation up there. And standing by is Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues. I'm out. That's a wrap. We're going to close out with a song from Lissy, and uh, this is Nothing Else Matters. Have a great Monday, everybody, and I'll be back next week. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. <laughs>